Hello, Donks. This is episode four of Just Believe Radio. Tonight, we will be previewing UFC Noche with uh, our podcasters, me, Super Dave Fairtax, and no special. This Noche event is actually a little bit more exciting than you give it credit for. So I'd like to start off talking uh, some current events with uh, no special here. We're going to talk about life for Izzy in the middleweight division, what's going on in middleweight. Uh, Madison Square Garden ticket prices. I guess they're crazy. I don't know. You got anything for me? <laughs> First off, hello. And uh, yeah, well, I like to start with the uh, middleweight division. First off, the middleweight division is never going to be the same. Secondly, never going to be mean, the same. Looking never, at the... Well, wait, 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 before we move on to secondly, you said it's never going to be the same. <laughs> Are you going to elaborate on that later? Or like, because I don't want to just I don't want to move on to secondly and not, and not elaborate on it. It's not going to be the same ever again. It it alludes to uh, the divisional. Uh, so you'll be getting into that in whatever um, you're about. To say. That's just okay. Statement. Continue. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Looking at the middleweight landscape division, it's a fucking mess. And the number one contender, DDP, he may not even get a Austin, title shot wait, hold next, on. which is whoa, whoa, weird whoa, whoa, whoa. because it's almost like... Is a... DDP the, okay. the number one okay. contender on the UFC's rankings right now? Yeah, currently. Currently? I, well, are we going no, off, off what of we the, believe is the number the, one contender? Off of the I, in my opinion, I think... DDP, like, are you saying he's your number one contender or is he the, like the official number one contender? Yeah, I'm. I mean, what would you rank him if he wasn't the if he was if he wasn't ranked number one? On, uh, I would rank US him number Twitter. two. I was just him? curious if he was. No, he's no. Yeah, he's number two contender actually. So put that in your practice. No hit. I would have him number one. If you beat Robert one. Whitaker the way he did, I would make you number one. Yeah, but that's that's dumb because he just got washed for four and a half rounds. Okay, so DDP is the number. All right, all right. I'll allow it. You know what I mean? That's that's what I mean. It's like the way Strickland handled Izzy. In my opinion, he should not be the number one contender because it was such a thorough, uh, mm-hmm. like, you know, ass whooping. It wasn't even really an ass whooping. He just beat him thoroughly. Like it was it was a sound, you know, defeat and. There's no controversy to it. Whereas DDP finished, you know, Robert Whitaker fairly, you know, fairly easily. And he wasn't even, granted, Whitaker had his moments in that fight, but we're, we're looking at the division. It's Strickland, DDP, Izzy, and then Whitaker, and then the rest of the division. Would you say that, that um, right? Strickland, like, big brother to Izzy? Was it that kind of performance? Uh, no, I think he just had it figured out. Like, um, if you're going to say big brother, it would be like what so happened to Whitaker was, was big brother. Whitaker was a uh, big From brother, kind of beat down. That, yeah. What, what I saw from, what I saw from Strickland was a dissection of the champion. Like, I don't think I've seen a more thorough fight other than um, seeing Dillashaw beat Burrell in their first fight and possibly the second fight. 
Well, like, who gets more credit? Anything like who that gets more credit? Me. Strickland? I mean, or Eric Nixick? Um, it's got to be Nixick. You can have Clay in front of you, but you still got like how he always does. Just smarter and more defensively sound. No, no. You need it. He was ready to quit before that fight. Nixick brought him back into his headspace before. He I think his girlfriend the, uh, had brought him back into his headspace. Actually, did you hear that about the girlfriend? Was not prepared to win. Yeah, apparently every everything changed when he his got girlfriend. his girlfriend. I thought it was Nixick in the in the locker room. Oh, she was at the fights with no, some stuff like. This, no. Nick said it completely changed him. Yeah, which was surprising to know that he actually had a girlfriend. Why is that, Austin? <laughs> I'm just saying the man. Oh, says like some crazy yeah, things, like what woman would want him? Well, they say it's kind of. They say it's kind of an <laughs> act, but like that's him. But it's a bit. It, no, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, you've been kind of so, going off on a tangent. Can you uh, get to what you were trying to say? Because I don't think we've made it like one sentence into your actual thought. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, let well, me you ask were you something then, before you, like, um, I kind of cut you off and derailed you. A little bit. <laughs> no, we're good. Um are you more surprised at the result? Because I was definitely more surprised at how it is. And now going forward, I think the UFC is going to burn Izzy by pushing him back into that title fight. Because A, we have Cannoneer who just won. We have Strickland who just won. DDP is going to wait in the winks. And everybody keeps talking about how DDP might not even get the next title shot next, which to me is asinine. Because A, Strickland fights often. Strickland didn't take a whole lot of damage. Strickland doesn't cut a whole lot of weight if he's in I camp. He got fight at two or five. The guy tends to fight. I would say because it was a last uh, minute uh, fight, not Abus, but the fight before that with um, uh, Izzy would have made one eighty five. Masterdinium of would have done it. That fight was a last minute kind of. Re- yeah, because it was a last-minute uh, replacement fight. Because Nasruddin was supposed hmm. to fight Kelvin Gastelum, who had to pull out. Was that on uh, no card? And um, Strickland's not a. Yeah, Nasruddin. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Kelvin was supposed to fight Shavkat Rachmanov, and uh, that fight got scrapped. Yep. Going into it, um, Strickland is that type of fighter who is. He's got a couple of tools, not a whole lot. He knows how to use them. And, I mean, if he stays to the game plan, he's got a very good con- consistency with his um, his tools matching that with his opponents. And I don't think you're going to find a guy with a more basic game plan, but a more very, very well-rounded tool set as far as how he approaches the game. And, I mean, with Nixick in his corner, I don't think there's anybody that's going to, unless Pereira decides to come back down to middleweight. <laughs> Even then, I don't think that's going to be the case. But uh, um, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm looking at it like everyone's talking about how 
the winner of Costa versus Kamzat is going to be the number one contender. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, um, Drake is just won his but he last fight against playing. the number two guy like in the division. I mean, he's like I understand that, but Dana Dana doesn't like not having main events. Who has who's the champion now? Who who can main event? Strickland. Who's gonna take fights relatively without, you know, issue? Strickland. Izzy, if I'm the UFC, I'm telling him to wait. We're gonna put him in a number one contender fight somewhere down the line. And against who? Who knows? Because the division right now has room. The UFC likes it when they can kind of reset the table and open up new matchups. This is a perfect opportunity for a lot of guys like Robert Whitaker, Costa, um, and hell, even Marvin Vittori and, uh, you know, Jared Cannonier, um, you know, can all of a sudden have a crack at the title. But the table has to be reset because, A, is he just lost? Strickland became the champion relatively unheralded. If we're looking at the fight, the fight that I would say should be next realistically should be DDP versus uh, Dragas, and you can have that as a co-main event or you main mean event. DDP Dragas. versus Strickland? You said uh, DDP versus Dragas, I think. Yeah. You, you're correct. Yes, I did say that. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for fixing it. <laughs> because the the reason why I only the reason only that I say that is because a we don't know who's going to take damage the most when Costa fights Kamzat. A, when either of them are going to be ready to come back because both guys are known for taking long layoffs and saying yes to fights, but things just mm-hmm. not playing out in their favor, right? Matchmaking for them is pretty much in like a non-win situation. Either they'll say yes or they'll say no, and there's going to be 300 reasons as to why the fight didn't happen. Plus, I'm imagining yeah. those guys are going to beat the shit out of each other. Not going to be a hundred percent. Strickland is literally healthy. No, no. Did you see him take a whole lot no, of damage? No, not at all. I didn't. <laughs> and who just fought and is more likely going to be ready by December? Yeah, I'm assuming Drakus will be. That's understandable. That's reasonable. That's my reason for it. That's my reason for it. However, the UFC doesn't usually like to listen to logic, yeah. so. <laughs> well, let me circle back a little bit. You started off by saying, was I surprised by the how things turned out in the main event? And I tell you what, I was not surprised at all. Absolutely. Before the fight, I would have never picked Strickland to win. I thought he didn't have a chance in hell. But as the fight started and as I played out, I was like, oh, shit, he's doing it. And this kind of makes sense. Like, his technique, like, his style is kind of tailor-made to do this. And I was kind of surprised, like, why didn't anyone see this coming? Because, see, I thought he kind of fought like he always fought, just more, like, defensively sound, maybe here a little bit more power in his punches, and uh, just a little smarter. But he kind of did the Sean Strickland thing, and it worked. And, uh, you know, I don't think Izzy had a plan B. I thought he thought he was going to walk through him. Um like, I was surprised he didn't, like, Sean would pressure, like, I don't know why Izzy never pressured forward himself or tried anything, because sometimes Sean would just walk forward with his hands up and not do anything, and Izzy would back up. It's like, try something yourself. You got to mix it up. But he was, like, so confident. They had, like, no plan B. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. It sounds like there was some issues in the corner and stuff, but uh, 
I really like Izzy's chances in a rematch, and uh, I think that's the fight to make next because I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm just not including DDP in it because he said no to the boss, and you know, Dana's CEO now, and he doesn't like that. And uh, I mean, Strickland might just say, fuck it, but well, Dana, well, maybe, but I mean, it's weird matchmaking if you're asking me because. It was such a thorough beating. It's not like Amanda Nunes versus uh, Juliana Pena, where it was an upset of like, oh, God, she was winning and then literally got caught and then just never recovered from it. Whereas Izzy had time to recover. Izzy just never tried to fight back like in an intelligent way and was pretty much broken by the end of the fight. I mean, you looked at it and you were like, Izzy has nothing for him. Like, he just kind of gave up in the last 10 seconds where you're like, well, at a bare minimum, you could throw your hands. And, you know, what does Brian Campbell love to say? His favorite moment was when Izzy was literally saying, I'm willing to die, are you? You know, and to Kevin Gastelum when they fought at that, you know, pay-per-view event in, uh, I think it was um, Vegas or something. And um, that wasn't even what happened. No, I- <laughs> he just was... There's no consistency. Yeah, I kind of thought about that, that exact line when they went into round five. I was like, man, I don't see that from Izzy this time around in round five. Like, he's not that same guy. The reason I think that he gets three matches is just because he sells like good amounts of pay per views, like 800,000, 700,000. I'm not sure like how important that is in the ESPN area, but like nobody cares yeah, about you- Strickland versus DDP. Or Strickland versus the winner of uh, Costa and Kamzat. They might care to see Kamzat finally get a title shot, or not finally get a title shot. But I really just think that the UFC is going to send Izzy back in there. It and might. So I'm not going to fight against it. No, I, I agree that the UFC is probably going to do the same thing. Is it the right decision? Probably not. And I'm looking at it from a perspective of if you're trying to get the money now. Yeah, that's probably the best situation, but like aesthetically, everybody who watched that fight probably is looking at it and think, I don't know how he's going to win. He had nothing for him in that Coach fight. Coach Behrman said he needs a and week I'm pretty sure to prepare Izzy, and I oh, believe how, him. Oh. I think, it, I mean, Sean's, Sean I, fight's so basic. I don't. Like, so basic. Izzy didn't have a plan B. Like, they will it's a basic, be able to beat that. A basic style that literally had no answers from Izzy's corner. Uh, you yeah, had two weeks, like, uh, two months. The fundamentals worked. <laughs> you the brilliance of Coach Nixick and the way that Sean put it together. But they all have not that difficult solutions to work around, and they, they will pick that up in no time whatsoever, and it will be a drudging the second fight. Yeah. So Are you really, really believing that? that? All right. I, I'm just saying, I'm pretty sure if it is at all competitive, I'm pretty sure it's going to be. <sighs> if it's going to be competitive and in favor of Izzy, it needs to be six months to nearly a year from now. When before they I have just think no one. In order for, I don't think he, if he takes the shorter notice return to the title fight in that rematch. I just think no one cares about a middleweight champion besides Izzy. 
I don't like Sean is a champion, and that's a good story. But like in the end, like no I, one's I really think, gonna well, care. Like, well, I think I think it's a more like this. Um, the UFC is gonna have a champion, and they can just literally throw out there, and he'll fight whoever is in front of him. He doesn't care if they're promoted. He doesn't care if they are the golden boy. The UFC likes champions that don't argue back. Literally, the thing you said about, oh, Costa, or I'm sorry, Drakus literally said no to the title fight because he wasn't prepared, and Dana doesn't like that. Strickland has never said no to a fight. If Izzy loses, Strickland is going to be the champion, and he's going to be in the Chris Weidman situation where I beat one of the best middleweights in this era. However, he's probably going to be a guy who kind of gets you know, lost in the, uh, you know, middleweight, middleweight kind of like, all right, they're kind of a decent fighter, but, you know, you know, he fought a guy at the end of his prime or something like that. And looking at Izzy, Izzy's been that guy for the UFC for a while, like you're saying. He's, he's been a guy who's been a champion. He's been a, you know, retaining champion. Um, what was it? I, I think five or six title defenses in a row before he lost to Pereira. And, I mean, he he beat everybody in the division to the point to where we were looking at rematches for him, right? So, I, I, what I'm saying is, is that if the division was going to suffer because there was nobody else for Izzy to fight, this might be the thing. However, I would say Izzy might just go up to so, 205. So, defense, what do you do next with Izzy then? Like, are you going to move him to 205 and take a fight, or do you have anyone in mind for at 185? If you're asking me, I'm asking magic you wand, I would tell Izzy to take a year off. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm taking I'm, I'm telling him to take a year. I'm telling him to take a year to six months. And then what? Just see how things play out. Don't fight. Don't spar. Exactly. If Izzy comes back. You want there to be some time between him losing his title, maybe even taking up a fight within the top 10 to see if he, if it's just a one-time thing. Izzy only needs to be ready, and maybe you give him the title fight after that. Like, he might not even need to take the title fight um, or take a tune-up fight or a top 10 matchup, top 5 matchup. He might just get a matchup regardless. But you save that fight because we know it'll sell. Uh, probably it's middleweight so there's no there's never really any true consistency anyways so let strickland kind of run the division for now i guarantee he'll probably rack up three title well, defenses within the you year. guarantee he'll rack up three title <laughs> so, defenses considering within a year within a year from this point with from this you point think strickland wins next, next three fights is what i mean If he's not fighting crazy. Izzy. That's... Because who else? Who well, Cannonier beat him. You know? And he's right. And he's You're not looking at guys who have... Tom's not destroyed. Like, everyone beats him. Like, look, Cannonier, I think... In... I don't think that's the case anymore. I don't think that's the case anymore. Because, A, he just took the most basic game plan to the best striker in the division and beat him. Yeah, styles make fights, dude. It's true. I know that's that's what, that's what I'm saying. If nobody else could do it, and the only guy who could do it is the only, is the only one who left the division, 
Izzy got his revenge. Who trained with that dude? Strickland. Strickland also learned how to get a little bit more power in his punches as of late. So he's been putting people down. I mean, he nearly knocked out Izzy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, I, 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 I always looked at Strickland as kind of a boring fighter, a guy who didn't really have a whole lot of pop in his shots, and a guy who was kind of very basic, very minimal in his game. I see that I was wrong, and I'm looking at him from a different light. I don't see him as a boring fighter. I see him as a guy who's well put together, well-rounded, very good at his basics, very dangerous. And he's, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if he's here to stay. I'm, I'm just, I'm ready for when he defends the belt, if it happens. All right, well, I'm telling you right now, you're crazy. But I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting time just, okay. to move on. <laughs> and talk about this uh, That's fine. <laughs> UFC Noche card. Uh, what the hell happened to it? I guess. There was a lot of fights that have got canceled. I don't suppose you have like the Wikipedia up, do you? That's normally a pretty good source of uh, seeing what fights were canceled. I'm currently looking up the. Yeah, I believe on. there was a whole bunch of fights canceled. Well, well, like you said, um, while you're looking it up, there was like uh, Kelvin Gastelum versus Shavkat was supposed to be on there. Um. Chris oh, Curtis, man, that would have been Anthony a good fight. Hernandez. Hernandez, uh, Curtis had to withdraw. Mm-hmm. Here's one for you. Daniel Rodriguez versus Santiago Ponzinibbio. That would have been a good fight. Yeah. Right? But Rodriguez tested positive for Oh, and Cynthia so Calvillo, kind of Elise Reed, canceled. Mm-hmm. Um... They had uh, Nathan Levy mm-hmm. versus Alex Reyes. And unfortunately, uh, Levy had to withdraw. Yeah. I like that dude. He's good. He's a good little fighter you know, for lightweight. He, yeah. looks like, he looks undersized for lightweight, to be honest. <laughs> but no, there's a couple of fights. The biggest one probably being the Shafkat Kelvin Gastelum fight. And it shows um, uh, Yasmin uh, Lucindo. Um, was also uh, paired up with Elise Reed and Josephine uh, Knudsen. And um, Lupita Godinez versus Sam Hughes. Obviously, those fights also fell apart for one reason or another. Uh, the Cynthia Calvillo versus Elise Reed, I don't know if Cynthia could have afforded to take another loss. So yeah, I thought they actually cut her, but I guess not. Maybe <laughs> she got re-signed or something, or maybe I imagine that. No, they're more... I, I think they're more lenient towards the women fighters because there's not as many of them. The divisions aren't nearly as deep as some of the men's divisions, so they probably needed the bodies. So do you have any you thoughts know? about the card as a whole? Like what She's on a quiet losing like streak, I'll say that. Nah, just probably plan, uh, poor um, matchmaking uh, decisions. Like, if I'm looking at it, there's not a whole lot of active UFC uh, roster um, Mexican fighters that are yeah. like, because you could have had Brandon Moreno on this card. You could have had Yair Rodriguez, yeah. but you used them on other cards. I mean, a- a hell, there's there's a couple of Mexican fighters who are still on the roster who aren't even big name that you could have thrown on there, and it would have helped. But the UFC literally doesn't care where it takes place, the or the events take place. They're literally just all right. Who's available? Okay, who will say yes? And then they look for replacements to those fights 
of fighters that say yes because they know there's always a chance uh, of them kind of being canceled or for one reason or another. I mean, hell, they had the um, French uh, city kickboxing guy fighting in Australia when he could have probably fought in France. Would it, it probably would have been better for him, but you know, he still won. He still got a pop from the crowd. Whatever. They had an Irish dude that probably could have fought in France or in the UK at one point or another. And he happened to be there, you know, it, the UFC plans events, plans maybe one or two fights to specifically supplement those events. And then everything else is filler. Like that, that's their game plan. Let's cut costs at the expenses of the fighters. Like we're minimizing everything's in house. We're the ones doing the production. The ESPN is going to broadcast it. All we're doing is making sure our fighters are available and we're making sure that they're not going over a certain budget. So that way, all we're doing is gaining profit because we're getting paid to leave the United States. I think that the, I think they were there. I think he was it uh, for the Islam. Um, uh, hmm. Oh, a yeah. Volkanovsky fight, right? In Perth. And they have a deal with the tourism board. And I think that's the thing Lazy was saying uh, a while back was that their tourism uh, site fees are pretty good. They're, I mean, they're getting money left and right for those. And yeah. it's, it's good business for them. It's a good reason to leave the Apex whenever they, you know, they're mm -hmm. not in Vegas or somewhere in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, one thing that's interesting is I'm looking here and uh, Cynthia Calvillo actually has been, was released on April 11th after a loss to Lupe Goodness, but I guess they were... Bringing her back. I know she's on quite a streak. She might be the new Sam Alvey of uh, MMA. No. She hasn't gotten a win no, outside? No, I don't think so. So well, the fact the that they brought her the back, I mean, that, the... literally, that literally proves yeah. my point. <laughs> that literally proves my like, point. Like, people complain about this card, <laughs> but actually, I don't give a fuck about the fights that were canceled. Like, who cares? Like, I love to see Shopcut fight, and I I love to see Kelvin fight, but I didn't want to Ooh, see him fight each other. Yeah, like that's a bad matchup for Kelvin. He needs a he needs a big name that's no, an easier matchup. Mm -hmm. And uh, honestly, you could probably yeah, that was put kind of thinking the same um, thing actually. And so I think Kelvin kind of dodged a bullet, and uh, honestly. It just sucks for yeah. Shopcut because Shopcut shouldn't have to well, fight Well, that's kind down. of a game. Sometimes, I mean, that's just the way it is sometimes. It's true. I know. He's he's literally the only dude who's got as many finishes as he does wins, which is his yeah. entire career because he's undefeated <laughs> like 17, 18 and 0. So that dude's the truth. I think he's – everybody kind of jumped off of the train because of his fight with uh, – uh, uh, not Neil Magny, I'm sorry. Uh, mm -hmm. Jeff Neal. And everyone's kind of like – kind of like with Jack Del Maddalena, who's on this card. He has one questionable performance, and you're looking at it like, I don't know if he's that guy. No, he's still that guy. It's just a tough yeah. fight. It's welterweight. It's what happens sometimes. <laughs> you get good matchups. People are gonna hit you back, you know. <laughs> yeah, so I'd say the only the only real big loss is probably you know, Kelvin versus Shopcat. But in the end, Kelvin dodged a bullet, and he might get a better matchup. And uh, you know, in the end, it's not that bad. So, you have anything else about uh, what happened to this car? Nah, 
No, I mean, it's just a typical UFC. They're just going to fill it up as best as they can because they're not actually trying to build cards anymore. They're just, you know, hey, let's just figure it out when we get there and this is what we get, you know? I wish they would do the Joe Silva era uh, matchmaking style where they actually cared about who was on the card, matchmake accordingly to it, and then pay them. Well, to that's interesting help. you bring that up because Joe Silva had a very that um, was a, interesting uh, matchmaking style. But a lot of the matchmaking that uh, guys do now doesn't really seem to make sense. But in the end, we get a lot of banger fights. It's more catered towards the ability to either push one fighter specifically in, in hopes of them becoming something, or it's just use some fights. Let's just hope they work out. More often than not, they do work out. Again, we don't get the best formula all the time, but when it works, it works. I'm just kind of, you know, looking at it from a almost like a, a critic who would, you know, critique, a, you know, fast food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if we're we're getting streamlined more yeah, fast tell, food fights. I, I tell say. you what, I, <laughs> I am kind of disappointed that's happened in the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. I was somewhere outside of uh, Nevada. It is what it is. Well, you know why? It's because um, it's because uh, Canelo or boxing events mm. usually hold uh, Vegas that weekend. And a lot of, apparently there is a thing where a lot of uh, Hispanic people, especially uh, Mexican uh, descent, yeah. uh, will come to Vegas to celebrate oh, okay. uh, Mex- uh, this weekend's uh, holiday. And it's it's what so it's a thing that happens. I wasn't really that aware of it. I just knew that you know around here it's a thing that you know. I mean, we see I'm seeing literally people driving around with Mexican flags, and it's awesome because you know they're all like a, all just enjoying themselves, having a good time. You hear you smell barbecue yeah. in the air all the time now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Mexican music playing. It's awesome. But um, you're looking at the uh, this weekend like Alexa Grasso. It's her weekend. I think that's what they're planning on. Like there, that's probably why. Maybe in the event itself isn't a bit, uh, you know a pay per view worthy event, but this weekend is Alexa Grasso's weekend. Yeah, I will touch back and say I was kind of dead wrong when I said, uh, you know, the only fight I really cared about was Shavkat versus Kelvin. I guess I did kind of care about Chris Curtis and Fluffy Hernandez and uh, D Rod versus Santiago. Like the, they would have made the card. That would have been a better. great fight. I'm pretty hype about it, but that one too. Yeah, that kind of sucks. Oh, yeah. I just think the MMA gods are not happy. It shit happens, man. You know, not much you can do about it. They're displeased with something <laughs> that we did. <laughs> right. If, this was, if it was at the Apex, I guarantee you, yeah. half the would have <laughs> at least made it to the main card. <laughs> yeah, they would have struck their headliner. They would have rebooked their for the headliner because that's something they have to do for yeah. every fight night. All right. Let's get on to the rematch here, the big title fight, the main event. Valentina versus Alexa rematch. What do you got for me? Who wins? How do they win? Any thoughts? Are you excited? Um, honestly, yes. I mean, I was. 
thoroughly surprised, impressed, and happy with the performance I saw from both ladies. I mean, granted, Valentina had almost no answer for the uh, rear naked choke attempt. However, you remember watching the fight, Alexa starts popping her face, you know, a hard right and a counter hook. And, you know, the jab was pretty much on point uh, most of that fight. And it wasn't like, you know, here's a soft little touch on the, you know, cheek. I'm trying to just, you know, range find it. It's a hard, you know, stiff jab that was starting to redden the face of uh, the champion, Valentina Shevchenko. And she had to adjust. And that was, I think, the first time we'd ever seen her get popped in the face and not know what to do right off the bat. And then we get into the second round and Valentina starts, you know, they're actually, you know, going toe to toe, striking pretty hard against each other. Um, a couple of uh, takedown attempts uh, from Shevchenko and, you know, she starts turning the fight around. She does this thing where she spins with a strike, you know, spinning back kick, right? And she spins, exaggerates it. You know, Alexa starts losing the fight because of the takedowns and she's not able to answer those takedown attempts or even stop them. Sure enough, she, she's got, they're back on the feet. Alexa Grasso is, you know, throwing out the stiff right, you know, waiting for, you know, an opportunity to, to look for an opening. And she's given one. By some miscalculation, she, Valentina exaggerates a back kick and just exaggerates the, the actual spin that comes with that kick. And I don't know if that was trained and she just kind of is, is a bad habit, but it just, just the minute that exposure of the back with the exaggerated turn she jumps on her back and then just, I don't even think she had it underneath the neck. It was literally on the jaw and she squeezes with all of her fucking might. And that was more surprising to me that that opening existed and they just, you know, exploited it without hesitation. And that was beautiful to watch. I mean, that transition that she literally like, like a spider monkey just hopped on her back and sunk in the choke without, you know, without any, you know, Pause. Well, I don't know if you saw. It was beautiful were, to watch. If you're gonna, like, if you're they gonna were look at the fight that now, specific move right before the fight started. Oh, like, they were training the back take off of a spin, like right before. I don't know if you saw any of that footage. I may have. I may. I didn't mean to cut you off. though. So go on. If you if you're looking at the fight. I, what's that number that Luke Thomas likes to show the 35? Yeah. You know, the, the line at 35, right? The, the stat I think is like only two out of like 37 mm -hmm. or something like that have won. And even then it's because they're, you know, bigger uh, weight uh, classes. That's the exception. And um, it's, I'm assuming it's the same for uh, female fighters as well. And I'm looking at this fight. Valentina's older. I think she's 35 I have now. to interrupt you right there. I have to mistaken. interrupt you right there. And um, have you ever have you ever heard of a fighter called yes. Demetrius Johnson? Oh my god! You might know him as Mighty Mouse. <laughs> he fought in UFC. He had a bunch of title defenses. I believe I've heard the name. Can you take a guess as to how many years yes. of age he is? Yes, I believe I am. Yeah. Currently? Wow, 37. that is pretty goddamn impressive. He is 37. 
And you know who's out there beating up killers in Asia and in Colorado right now? Like killers, savages. Arguably the best 135, 135-pounders in the world uh, who've beaten them. 37 years of age. You, am I, it feels like I'm listening to no, I'm just saying. One. Is that what's happening no, here? Arguably the best in the world. <laughs> He's 37 years of age. I mean, and women... Women MMA fighters no, tend to age more gracefully. Like Holly Holm arguably won a lot of the fights that she lost over 35 years of age. I think she gave gave some of those wins away. Uh, yeah. But yes, yes, you're not you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But if if we're looking at the fight, Grasso. Yeah, I didn't mean to throw you off. Like, you're saying like Valentina might be Rosso like she's has... over 35 now. She's been fighting a long time. Do you think like the miles are starting to catch up to her? Maybe. It. It may be the same situation that we had with Izzy. Honestly, I mean, it. What What do we look at with Valentina? She's a multiple time mm-hmm. world champion in Muay Thai, right? Um, she like basically an entire sports career before she transitioned into MMA. And even then she was already fighting the best of the best when she first came in in Bantamweight, then uh, transitioned to flyweight after challenging for the title um, against Amanda twice. I mean, she's been fighting really good fighters for a long time. And if you're looking at the division, the division has finally started to actually produce contenders that can actually challenge her. Granted, Santos was more of a grappling situation, but still, um, she she's being forced to work harder. And at her age, in this game in general, it's especially if you're in the smaller weight classes, it is hard to compete with the younger generation, especially since you have been at the top for so long. It gets harder and harder and harder. Do I think she has a chance? Absolutely. If she if she sticks to the game plan, doesn't leave a whole lot of openings, it's going to be more of a boring fight because of it, but that's the type of fight that she wins. Yeah. I don't hmm. know if that's going to be enough. Is that about all you got on that? I would say really? she loses a very controversial decision to cross up. <laughs> I'm going to say that. I don't think it's going to be controversial in the sense of like, I think there's going to be some wonky scoring in it, is what I mean. It's got, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a, a very close decision, but the rightful winner is going to be Grasso. The problem I'm going to say is going to be scoring criteria and whether or not that applies to Valentina Shevchenko. All right, see, now, I agreed with you 100%. Everything you said, I thought the same thing myself. And then I rewatched the fight. Really? And I actually saw, like, I was picking grass off for sure. Like, I thought, like you did, I thought she was landing good strikes in the boxing. Uh, I wouldn't say she had her number, but I thought she was doing the better work in the stand-up alone in the fight. But on rewatch, like, Valentina had some good strikes. She just didn't stick with them. Like, I saw several pass to victory. Like, her lead body, like, switch kick landed every time she had a really good teep that landed like teep to the stomach that landed every time uh 
in the first couple of rounds, she threw the uh, spinning back a couple of times and it was really fast and it wasn't really telegraphed. And then like later in the fight, I noticed it got a lot slower. Like in round four, she threw it once first and it was kind of slow and stuff. And then later she threw it again, even slower this time. And uh, Alexa knew it was coming or like kind of saw the movement and knew it was coming and uh, took her back. And it's like, I don't think she'll make that mistake again. And I think she'll she'll come in with her cardio being better because she's going to train harder. Uh, I think she might realize some of the success she had. And, like, early in the fight, every single takedown that she went for, she got. Like, her timing was, I'm not going to say it was, like, GSP, but, I mean, like, Alexa would throw strikes. She'd duck underneath, get the double leg, and take her right down like nothing. And even into round three, she was getting the takedowns, like, not that difficulty. So, I mean... Yeah, so I mean, Almost I didn't see past the victory for Valentina that I didn't see before. I think she had some success in the strikes, and I think she might lean more into her Muay Thai training for this fight and be able to counter the boxing a little bit better. And then she might, like, just go balls to the wall with the grappling and, like, just be able to maintain the pace longer because I think it was kind of her cardio and the pace feeling her late in the fight. And I think... uh there's a good chance she'll be able to uh, actually get it done this time. Am I crazy? No. I mean, the, the difference would be whether or not Grasso either shores up her takedown defense, which I doubt. It wasn't a long. I mean, at this I mean, point, it's... Um, this is her first fight. Either you learn how to do thing, it. So I'm sure she'll be training it, but... I mean... It, training, training and applying are, you know two different things and i think she can do it i think she has the ability to do it um it the takedowns only mattered to the point where you know grasso was still able to find a way you know granted it, it didn't look promising from grasso it just kind of looked like she had no answer for it it was just kind of like and it didn't seem like they you know valentina was doing a whole lot with those takedowns there was a couple of shots here and there but more often than not it was usually just her trying to keep uh, Grasso down as Grasso tried to either transition to a submission offense uh, game plan and then eventually look to escape to stand up. It, it, very little strikes are, if I remember correctly, I don't know if you you, you could correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, if, if, if I remember correctly, there weren't a whole lot of offensive strikes there was some, uh, being thrown uh, from, from Valentina, but nothing that significant. Like earlier in the fight, she took her down and she got the crucifix and uh, she wasn't able to get like hardly anything off. Uh, Alexa was really prepared, uh, prepared for the crucifix defense. So she spent like over a minute just trying to maintain crucifix and didn't have an opportunity to throw strikes and ended up losing it. And so uh, she didn't get much off. Later in the fight from right. like, a guard position and stuff, she got off some like baby strikes, but you know nothing significant, nothing damaging, really. Yeah. It's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Like, if if Valentina is to have a successful grappling game, it has to work uh, with submission offense, or you're looking at a you know a, a a blast double or just you know very very demonstrative or demonstrative uh, takedown offense with a lot of ground and pound and even then like if she's not trying to stand and do muay thai and just kind of kickbox from the outside she's going to limit her offense 
accordingly because of the openings that her old offense would give her. It's, I'm imagining it's going to be more of a closer decision than we would like to think about. Like, I'm not saying it's going to be the Carmouche fight. I think it's going to be closer to the Amanda Nunes uh, rematch fight. <laughs> so, uh, Alexa by uh, squeaky decision. I think yeah. so. Um, Valentina's smart. Valentina's game. Valentina knows she just can't produce any more tools. So what do you got to do? You got to shorten up the uh, your, your your defense a little bit. If she does that, she's leaving less openings. She's she's more committed to a defensive game. Granted, she's a talented striker. She's a talented fighter. She knows how to grapple. She knows how to get out of sticky situations when she has opportunities to escape. Grasso didn't give her that opportunity. The minute she had the opening, she took it. Um, now, can she do it twice? I don't think she's going to finish her. I think she's just going to eke out a decision. And Valentina is going to be the one that. Yeah, I think, decision. like, I don't know. I feel like Valentina just kind of forgot she was a uh, striker. Like, when she came into the UFC, she wasn't wrestling much. She was mostly just. Uh, striking and counter-striking and uh, using her Muay Thai experience. And then it's like her last four or five title defenses, she just realized she was a lot stronger than the other girls in the, the division. And has just been kind of getting by on like upper body throws and her physicality. And like, that's not enough anymore. But I think I saw enough in her game for her to have a chance. But I'm not sold on Coach Pavlov. Like I said, I think she's been getting by on her physicality and uh, other skills, and uh, I'm not sure how much new she'd bring into her game without, like, you know, one of the more well-known MMA coaches. Right. I'm thinking, this is, this is my, just my two cents on this one. I think we're, we're looking at Valentina just kind of yeah. um, pulling an Izzy. <laughs> she... I think she just wasn't ready for the offense that she was going to get. And then I think she overcompensated that offense, uh, trying to create space, but also still look like she was effective with her striking. Um, it just ended up working against her. That, that's kind of the my thinking on it, at least. However, she might just actually go back to just, you know, throwing hard, like, one-twos and a good knee to the body with an elbow in the clinch. And, you know, she might just actually work that ass, in the, you know, against the fence. I, if Grasso gets in that kind of fight, I don't. If Valentina crashes into her, she's more physical. She has the harder punches uh, when it comes to the clinch and you know uh, actual kickboxing uh, strikes. Muay Thai. She might win, but I don't see that. I just I don't I didn't see it in her last three fights, and her last three fights were more. All right, let me, let me ask you this question. In a while. You ever play EA UFC? <laughs> so you know how you can make a fighter before, like yes. create a fighter and have him hundred overall so yeah. if you got okay. an MMA fight <laughs> with MMA rules but you got a hundred overall boxer and you got a hundred overall Muay Thai fighter who wins that fight in an MMA setting 
Like, like what, I, what I'm trying to get at is if Valentina returns to her peak if form it's MMA, with Muay Thai and brings a high-level Muay Thai game, but Grasso's, like, boxing is so crisp and sharp. Right. Like, say, just like the boxing versus Muay Thai, but in an MMA setting, like, who do you give the advantage to? You'd probably give it to Valentina. Uh, however, that closing of the distance, uh, that gap between... Valentina clinching or getting it. Yeah, because I noticed Grasso would be did the only issue. Grasso did really good at staying out of the kicking fight. range and stuff, and then she'd kind of pop in and catch Valentina. Like, I I don't know that much. Like, I don't train, but I don't know if like Valentina could try using yep. elbows more or something when it gets close like that, or you know, working uh, a close Muay Thai game. If she crashes, if she crashes into her, she probably does a pretty very good job. I mean. The the difference in the Maya fight, uh, Jennifer Maya, was that Maya was literally just trying to use her size and clinch up with her. Not a whole lot of striking damage, realistically, from you know Jennifer Maya, but she was literally trying to crash into her her guard, keep her against the fence, look for takedowns and whatnot, and then you know eventually look for a submission. That yeah. only worked for one round. And even at the end of the fight, Valentina had finally just had enough of it and was actually just kind of popping off after being very careful, very uh, safe for the majority of the fight. Whereas with Santos, Santos was willing to crash into her into her striking guard. And more often than not, not necessarily win the striking battle, but Santos had just kind of put the pressure on her. And because Valentina wasn't prepared for how physical the fight was, Valentina had struggled with maintaining that distance and then by the time she was out of the pocket she was already just looking for an escape and trying to get maybe a one two on the outside just to basically get get her footing underneath her and then you know santos would get back in with a hard right or straight uh you know punch and find herself back into the clinch again looking for takedowns it in this fight valentina got a little bit outstruck on the feet as far as your basic, you know, counters and, you know, boxing, you know, combinations. Valentina forgot that she knows how to throw elbows in the clinch, throws knees, you know, and she could probably get away yeah. with it because Grasso is not an offensive grappler. But it, she, Grasso is a very good submission uh, artist and, or jiu-jitsu uh, practitioner. Yeah, it's whether or not good in those scrambles, are like sneaky good in the uh, scrambles. Maybe. Oh yeah, it was very tricky, very tricky. I mean, looking at the fight, the only way she gets caught is if she gives her an opening. Five five minutes into the grappling sessions, if they're actually going back and forth, we're probably looking at Valentina getting caught if she gets overzealous with her takedowns. Does she? I have to think Valentina's been trying to choke defense though, and that probably doesn't happen again. All right, well that's that's gonna yeah. be that's gonna be the thing to bet. All right, on let's then. get into the co-main <laughs> event here. Uh, JDM versus uh, Kevin Holland. Like, do you have any thoughts on like, what's that? Oh yes. Yeah, like, what oh, is yeah. Kevin this Holland's role fight. in the UFC? And like, is the uh, Sky really the limit for JDM? Like people are talking about him, like he's the next big thing. You know, the world is his oyster. He's coming. It's his time. Like, what do you think about both of these guys? Well, 
let me ask you first. Which one do you think is? Uh... Oh, you know, don't this one kind of reminds I need, me of I need that uh, question the, the same situation. Now, I'm gonna be nervous about it. Okay. <laughs> is Kevin Holland closer to being no. a gatekeeper? No. In this Kevin uh, Holland's just division. Started. Okay. Okay, so let me ask you about uh, Jackie Three Names. Jackie Three Names. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah. Jackie Three Jack Names. Madalena. <laughs> um, right. Um, if I'm looking at Jack Dylan Madalena, he's in the same Is situation as Shav- as Shavkat. Young prospect, I think so because he has a questionable performance of which his fight IQ may be. Uh, not nearly as renowned as one would like to think, uh, mainly due to the concept of um, if he's ready, he'll show up and he'll perform. However, whether or not he is that guy that's going to perform, that's going to be the question. You know, he, he obviously made a whole lot of mistakes in his last fight. I don't know. What's if he's the, what's the, the questionable that performance from Shavkat that's analogous to. Uh, well, see, Jeff, Jeff Neal's Neal. on a whole nother tier. Like, Jeff Neal's a good fighter. Like, That's what I would say. This, this, is a, this is a lot of the comments that I'm hearing is that because Jeff Neal gave Shafkot such a hard fight, people are kind of off the Shafkot train. As in the same situation, you're also looking at Shafkot, I'm sorry, not Shafkot, but Jackie Three Names or Jack Dylan Maddalena. He had a very questionable performance against a guy who was on the um, regional scene as a champion. And that was the other thing, too, is that it was a tough test. That guy was not a scrub. <laughs> he he was ready for that fight. I mean, granted, it was uh, – he's not a, a, a striker, more of a grappler. But still, like, he gave Jack a, a tough fight. Jack had to cut weight twice. And then he also took a fight yeah, on Jeff short notice against the guy who's not ready. Like the highest level. It, well, that's 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 what I'm trying to say is that what they're not applicable situations, but they're both the same because both of these guys were considered prospects and now contenders, and they both had very questionable performances that both uh, have had fans kind of yeah. question whether or not they're viable contenders. In this case, I think both are dumb because. You can have questionable performances. It's okay. You can have very bad decision wins. You can have very questionable IQ in certain moments and still pull off the win. The idea is whether or not you learn from those situations and are able to carry out a, a victory um, in 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 a heated uh, or heat of the moment kind of uh, situation. I think Jack got not lucky, but he got a very very yeah. uh, tough test. He proved that he was able to kind of adjust, not perfectly, but he found a way to win. I mean, yeah. God bless his boxing because that's crisp. <laughs> I don't know what the question, what the theory was in uh, going for continuous uh, uh, guillotines or you know only having the guillotine as your offense, you know. But that neither here nor there. He still got the win. You know, he was able to get the win. You know, very, uh, very. <laughs> I, he, he got it by the skin of his teeth. I'll say that, but still, you know, um, very, very good, very good, uh, good 
performance for his opponent, but still. Um, whereas if you're looking at Shavkat, Shavkat's that guy who literally just went into his opponent's, you know, off like abilities and just challenged him on it. Was that the smartest game plan? No, but Shavkat still finished the fight against a very tough opponent who had pretty much shown that he belonged there. And now, you know, we're looking at both of these guys and thinking, okay, these are the guys that are still contenders. They're still ready. Jack Della Maddalena is probably the better striker in this situation, but he is not the more well-rounded fighter. I'll say that. Um, Kevin Holland in the, in this situation, he is either here to be a contender or he is not. And this is the fight to prove it. I don't know. I'm kind of uh, like, I like uh, Jack names, but uh, you know, his best is uh, who's his best win? Who do you think James win? See, he beat Danny uh, Roberts oh, and he had Chocolate Roberts. That's not a good one. Because I'm, he I'm beat thinking that, about it. You know, whoever that guy was. So, I'm put strength of schedule when I look at these matchups and the uh, level of competition and talents uh, so much better. And Jack's obviously got for boxing and stuff, but you know, Holland's so rangy and he's long. He's got unusual strikes, and uh, I really like his chances in this. I think it's going to be a banger fight. But I think the experience of uh, Kevin Holland is going to be probably too much and should get him a pretty decisive win. Most likely a, we'll go with a 20 and a 28, but really decisive round. So, I'm going to agree with you on that one. I think, I don't know if he's going to be able to finish Jack, but his experience and his uh, capabilities. Plus he's, I mean, he handled um, uh, the Jamaican fighter in his last fight. I forget his name. Um, uh, Kevin Holland. I think, didn't he fight uh, Michael Chiesa last? Pull it up real quick on the fly. No, not Kevin Holland. Oh yeah. Um, He fought uh, three names. It was. uh, Yeah. Randy Brown. Sorry. <laughs> Apologies, Randy Brown. But yes, Randy Brown has the same dimensions and is just as capable of a striker. Um, he's a decent grappler, but not the best grappler. I, I, I find it hard that Jack can't adjust to a taller opponent. The striking is going to favor Jack. However, if I'm looking at you know the overall theme of the fight, it's either Jack can win on the feet or, you know, Kevin Holland has the ability to take it, you know, to the ground and actually implement a smart that, game plan. Like, he took Whether down not, Wonder Boy and then, like, stood back up. I I know. <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's going to do that this time. I think he's going to – I'm not betting on him to win, no. But I would favor but him to take Even though, decision. like uh, – JDM hasn't had the strength of schedule. You've seen enough to confidently say that not just his boxing, his overall striking is better than Kevin Holland's.
I would think so. Mainly because he's been a striker first and a fighter, uh, a, a grappler second. Whereas Holland was a jujitsu guy he first was a and then guy a striker first? second. I did not know that. Yeah. I'll believe you. I, well, I believe that's the case. Mm. Uh, he he recently just got his black belt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, looking at the fight, he knows how to fight. Uh, that's the thing. Anybody who gets in there obviously knows how to fight, whether or not you're well-rounded in one aspect or you're in others, you know, you're kind of so-so or you're, you're basic in one, but you know how to do everything, you know, a very specific thing, maybe one or two other things on top of that. And you don't really have a whole lot of tools. It, we're looking at a limited skill set with Jack and you're looking at a, a decently well-rounded game with, you know, Holland. I think Colin has the ability to do it. I don't trust him to do it, but I think he can take a decision. But, oh, of course, you know, Jackie can, you know, give him a combo and then submit him with a guillotine just like he did to Randy Brown. Yeah, dude's just as tall, just as lanky, just as decent of a striker. And, uh, not an accomplished Randy grappler, Brown but a capable like grappler. Helen, Everybody, everybody's got good defense until they get hit. No, no, he doesn't need to. He got hit before then. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not sure if Kevin's ever really been rocked outside of the headbutt or whatever. I mean, nah, I don't really. I, like, he had a TKO stoppage from no, like, Stephen Thompson, but then, I'm not sure if he was like really rocked or anything like that. He got hurt hmm. maybe once or twice at the end of the fight. Um, when the yeah, accumulation the, started, missed, like, three you know, rounds up, too. So. But no, no, generally. Yeah, generally he's the type of guy that takes the punishment pretty well, and then on top of it, he's also the kind of guy that's hard to put away. More often than not, he yeah. loses a decision or by submission. Hmm. All right. So with that, no, no. Do you have anything else you want to? I add think to it? Uh, we can move on to our <laughs> fight predictions. I think. Uh, who did you have in the main event again? Uh, you were going with uh, Grasso, I believe. Yes, sir. Going with Grasso by very All right, well, decision. I'll go with uh, Valentina <laughs> by a dominant decision or possibly a uh, TKO. Uh, what about uh, JDM versus uh, Kevin Holland? <sighs> as much as I was talking about how limited his uh, game plan was, yeah. I think I'm going to go with Jack. <laughs> I I want to go for Holland, but because he's so inconsistent with his um, performances, I think that's going to be the thing that ultimately drags me to Jack. Mainly because his striking is decent enough to get him a win. It's he's well rounded in his striking. Uh, leaves his face out a little bit more than I would like, but he he's he's pretty good in the in the boxing department. Um, Got very, very good, uh, calm, collected, striking in the pocket kind of uh, vibes, you know. But I, I can't, I can't put like faith into Holland. Yeah. Fighting to his capabilities, more often than not, Holland fights his fight, and whatever happens, happens. He he doesn't really play hmm. to the uh, game plan that he should. Yeah, and I'm a, you know, for the main event, uh, or for the co-main event. 
you know, I think Kevin Holland's going to get it done. Basically the way that I, yeah, I mean, oh, I think it's going to be 29-28 for sure. He's going to dominate two rounds. Maybe not dominate, but clear 10-9s, and it won't be controversial at all. Hmm. Is there any other fights on the card right. that really like that you care about Fair at enough. all? <laughs> uh, Roman Kopilov. Mm-hmm. He's on the card. He was technically supposed to fight somebody more accomplished, but I think this is going to be. I think he's on a little streak. Regardless, maybe. Yeah, he's got like two or three wins, I think. So is he pretty exciting, or is there anything about him that you're looking forward to, or? Um, he got a finish in his last fight um he he looks like a capable fighter and if i'm not mistaken he was on the um oh yeah he was on the poirier Mm. uh, gaichi two fight card yeah he got a head kick knockout remember and I'm looking forward to seeing him because now currently he that makes it three fights inside the uh, inside the UFC on a win streak. He had lost his uh, previous two, um, and a decent amount of canceled bouts, unfortunately. But no, I, this is middleweight. Middleweight needs contenders, and he seems like a young, capable contender. I'm excited to see another contender come through. Um, he's fighting Josh Freen. And this guy just looks like your standard, uh, yeah, he's your middle-of-the-road kind of middleweight, you know. He's got two wins inside the uh, UFC, lost his uh, first two, and I'm confident Kapila's going to probably finish him. I, I'm, I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking, like, okay, well, this, is a, this isn't a, uh, a tune-up fight for Kapilov. This is more like, all right, here's the standard run-of-the-mill middleweight uh, either yeah. finish him or take a decision. <laughs> I don't know. For some reason, with me, I like Roman Kapilov's just got that look where I'm like just waiting for him to lose. Like, I'm actually picking a uh, friend in this. Like, I don't know. Yeah, he's just got that look about him. Like, he's really? definitely to lose. And uh, I think friend might be the guy to do it. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, fair enough. I mean, yeah, it is middleweight. These are both kind of like as the heavy hands guys <laughs> would say, middleweighty middleweights. Like, yeah, yeah. Everybody fighting guys say the same uh, thing. One fight I'm actually kind of looking forward to is Tracy Cortez versus Jasmine Jezadovicius. Like, uh, I'm not really into Tracy Cortez. What's that? Well, the Canadian. Yeah, I'm not really into Canadian, Tracy yeah. Cortez for the reason that most fans are, but. I think she's like hasn't lost since her first fight, and so uh yeah, there's a weird uh vibe that goes along with this one i don't I don't find her like that either, but like here here's the thing. I don't think she's impressive to be honest, like she seems like a basic fighter who hasn't really evolved. And granted, I thought she was actually going to get some decent jujitsu skills from being in a relationship with uh, Brian Ortega, but that seems to have not worked out. Wait, uh, wait are you saying so she didn't go to T-City? I... Triangle City? You didn't teach her the old <laughs> triangle? Is that what you're saying? 
I not that I not that Ortega, I'm aware of. I don't what are you think doing, so. man? <laughs> like they were supposed to. I don't think it was him. Mm. I don't think it was him. I think it was oh, her. Oh, she triangled him. But I mean, I maybe, and I don't think he liked it, or I don't think she liked yeah. the fact that she did it. I don't know. <laughs> I, regardless, way, I don't, I, um, like she's not a little streak. Kind of, I find the streaks kind of impressive. Oh, you, it's only ten fights, so who knows? But even like when fighters look mediocre. If they could find ways to get the win, I kind of look think that's pretty impressive. So we'll see. She can continue to somehow catch wins. I don't think she's changed though from when she first started. That's the thing is that she's just kind of been there. Like if you look at a majority of her wins, it's decision, you know. And I. I don't think she's evolved. I think she's got a decent game for the women's division, especially in this weight class. But I, I do not foresee her becoming a champion unless she adds more to her repertoire, which if you're just trying to get by on wins, good for you. If you don't evolve your game, you don't Are you become familiar a with uh, who she's fighting, uh, Jasmine at all. I, she's a submission fighter, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. I see lots of decisions. No, I don't. I see one uh, rear naked choke, some uh, body shots and knee stoppages, but I can tell you this fight will definitely go over one and a half because there's a whole lot of decisions between these two ladies. You put, you put it over three. Yeah. You put yeah, it over absolutely. the two and a half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's also uh, Roses Jr. is fighting on the card. Um, uh, under. I'm actually picking oh, Terrence God. Mitchell. Like, he's only he, like he lost his last fight, but before that, I think he had like a Same. three fight win streak. And uh, I'm not sold on this Roses Jr. kid. You got any thoughts about him at all? He's 18. He should not be in the UFC. He should be literally finishing high school and then going to junior college and then maybe going to college after that. And then even then yeah. wait a year before he actually yeah. fights. <laughs> I don't know what we're doing here. On fast track CT, but I mean, 17 getting a fight on the contender series. So stupid. I, I shouldn't say that. I should say he's literally trying to do the thing where I have an opportunity. This is a thing that I can do and become a uh, proficient in good for you. I wouldn't have told yeah. I wouldn't have told him to do this if I if this is my kid, no, but I I would I would tell him to wait, do jujitsu tournaments, do some Golden Gloves, maybe you know amateur competitions first before anything. Let's make sure you're. This is too much too soon, and I hate the fact that the UFC is literally willing to push this kid into the deep end because this isn't a. a this isn't a uh, regional yeah. league, even though it acts like it sometimes. We, looking at this fight, Rosas should probably yeah. win, but he's going to lose. <laughs> now, uh, Lupita Gunez, do you have any thoughts on her? Like, I, I think the fans were all behind her for a little bit, but that might have fallen off. You, like, I don't care at all about that fight. You got anything? 
Yeah, she's that kind of person who literally shows up last minute. And granted, this is finally a fight where she could just show up and be close to home. Like, I think she has a camp outside, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me look at her. Looks like she's from Mexico. Real quick. Um, I don't... Uh, affiliation with Titan MMA, like that's an American gym. I'm imagining. I mean, I'm happy for her that she's on this card. I'm happy she's going to be fighting in Mexico. Well, for Mexico, you're going to be fighting for Mexico, not in Mexico. I don't see anything else coming from it. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. Thank you. <laughs> Forgot this is it. Yeah. Is it, it's is in it Noche, Noche, but it's in Vegas. That's right. God. They should have done this card in Mexico. Or Phoenix or somewhere. Oh well, you made a good you made a good case for Vegas earlier in the uh, podcast, so I'll allow it. I well, that's weird because it's like I, I assumed like uh like Vegas would be a little bit more transparent about, hey, it's in Vegas, but it's actually yeah. not, but it is. <laughs> like it's confusing the way it's right, uh, being uh, promoted, but neither here nor there. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing like, like that's why Canelo fights in Vegas yeah. instead of Mexico. Hmm. Oh, I did want to put in another deed uh, as somebody, somebody to watch. Uh, Charlie Campbell. Um, I believe this is at welterweight. Never heard of him. Is it is it at welterweight? Lightweight. So he's a guy that was promoted by Ray Longo. Yeah. Is it is it lightweight? He's fighting Alex Reyes at lightweight. Okay, so let's see. Is that Dom Reyes, brother? Alex Reyes and him are probably going to... No. No, because oh. that dude is a hit from Mexico. <laughs> um, This dude is being promoted by Ray Longo. And I like guys that come out of that gym. They, they're they all pretty close-knit. They don't really take a whole lot of bullshit. And they, they all have each other's back. Like doesn't matter how and if he's fighting at lightweight never hurts to have another banger lightweight from the uh, northeast (laughs) so i'm excited i'm interested i'm not excited for it but i'm interested in it okay i'll I'll make sure to keep an eye out on that one uh i'm not familiar with either of those guys but you think it'll be a good fight I think so. Gray doesn't well, produce guys who are bums. <laughs> don't, I'm gonna say it. Don't. I'm gonna say it. Don't do it. Don't say it. No, you don't. I don't say it. I won't say it. I won't say it. I just. <laughs> I don't probably want that negative energy on me. Anyways. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you got any other th- <laughs> any thoughts on? Uh, UFC Noche or Noche UFC outside of what we discussed already. Uh, Chris Josiagos is a dude who's uh, 
taking hammers and nothing but hammers, yeah. whether he's beating them or losing to them. <laughs> I'm not. Like, holy, holy cow, man. I mean, he fought Jakar close. Uh, he has Sean Shuriano in there. He has Armin Suriki and Tiago Moises. Ricky Glenn, that's no easy out. Um, Charles Oliveira. Ricky Glenn. I mean, he lost, but mm-hmm. most people do. Yeah, no, this guy, yeah. this fight, he fights good dudes. And, I mean, I mean, hell, he had two canceled bouts, or three uh, canceled bouts uh, in the the past two years, and one of them was um, uh, Benoit St. Denis, and the oh, other one was Joel Alvarez. <laughs> God. I mean, he's a guy who comes to fight. I, I appreciate the, the fact that he doesn't say no to tough fights, and those are tough fights. They're not fun fights either because they don't really produce uh, anything that adds to your win streak. Like, it's a name. It's a win. But they're not like names that you Oh, this guy's fighting is fun too. Of, you know? uh, the like, Daniel guy? Uh, that might be the sneaky banger. Uh, yeah. I think so. It's lightweight too, right? So yeah, oh, yeah. lightweight's a great division. <laughs> you got anything else? I'm interested now more. I was gonna say, well, I I'm more interested in the card now, having looked at the card again, because I looked at it at the beginning of the week, and I was like, it just it doesn't come off the 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 role of what we, we were just watching in that card in uh, Australia wasn't the strongest either. I mean, granted, you were very high on it and it ended up being a very decent card. But uh, my gymnastics score, I think I gave them was a six yeah. and ended up being like a seven and a half <laughs> just because of Strickland's performance. <laughs> but if I was going to say anything, I think at the beginning of the week, I think I was going to say this one's probably a four and a half, five, probably four and a half at best. It could probably be a five and a half come fight we, uh, fight day. Hmm. We'll see how it plays out, but I think it's because there's just too many canceled bouts that ended up happening to this card and not enough star power besides the top two, three fights. And even then, Rosas being on here, Rosas is just there. He's just a name. He's, not, he's, he's just, a brand. There's nothing that... He's looks, like a sponsor. He's yeah, like he's a monster low. He's just there. He's a kid. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing against him. It's just, I, I would have... I would like no promotion except kind of like how they did Jack Della Maddalena and how they did Shopcott. Guys who are just, they're giving him wins. You're feeding him. You're feeding him. You're feeding him. You're just, you're happy he's winning. You're promoting the fact that he's winning. But you're not, you're not making him the next coming of Jesus. You know, you're not making him the next champion in waiting. You're, you're literally just feeding him guys who are coming off contender series and their first introduction should be against him. Yeah. Can you beat this kid? That's what they should have done. But, you know, we gave him a tough test. And that kid, granted, that kid he fought, you know, came in a little overweight. It is what it is. But, you know, shit happens. You're either prepared to f- for the fight or you're not. But I'm going to look at it and think, like, Rosas yeah. probably doesn't win this fight either. But I'm going to watch him submit the kid in, like, a fucking 
you know, mid He's really strong. Egg all over our know, faces. Dad's <laughs> doing that pumping him full of steroids thing, so, you know. You don't know about that? I don't that. know about that. Have I think it's him? more, because obviously it's not helping his face. <laughs> no, I think what it is, it's like, it's that thing where he probably needs like a, um, what's it called? Uh, it probably needs a certain thing. Like it's thyroid screwed up so can't like that under the giant. Because there are people who are like mm. vitamin. Where his jaw is growing at a rate faster than the rest of his I body. I wouldn't be surprised. Giganticism. Yeah. I said that to well, you. Well, I'll edit this out, so don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, let's let's uh, we've been going for a while. Let's get this thing wrapped up here. Uh, is there anything else about the card that uh, is worth bringing up? Um, only thing I could say is yeah, ticket sales. Um, I'm I'm imagining yeah, um, they're not cheap. The cheapest I saw was eight hundred, and the the most expensive I saw was around four thousand. Uh, ticket prices are crazy. Yeah. Are you ticket serious? prices are crazy? Uh, it is what it is. They've been crazy for a while. It's not just New York. They're crazy everywhere. Uh, fuck it, you know. Get yourself some nice seats to the one show the next time they come to USA for two hundred bucks, and you'll be good. Fuck the UFC ticket prices. Well, that's the thing I kind of look at. Like, are they just not? Trying to get the 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 hardcore well, people fans are paying them. People are paying the fight. So, are they just? I think some hardcore is paying. I mean, someone is buying them. Yeah, but like, well, that's true. I mean, they've been out of the apex more than they have in in the last few years due to COVID. But like, they are finally like giving the road show some attention. And the fans who are getting there, they're not getting the best cards, but somehow they're still selling out. Like, I, I'm not paying no. 800 bucks to go sit in the fucking no. nosebleeds. People I'm do sorry. though, man. They're pricing out the old guys like us, I guess. Well, you're not that old, boy. You're old in spirit. I, but no, it just feels. I true, but like it feels, <laughs> it just feels like like I it's not the UFC doesn't want the casual fan that isn't willing to spend like a certain amount just to go like it's almost like you're trying to go see an experience like a live sporting event, and I think that's the same with almost live sporting events like the Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders. Currently, uh, they have a hockey team now. They also have a baseball team. The Oakland A's are moving to Vegas as well. Like, I think they're just trying to do this sports push of, like, let's make – and I think that's the same – concerts, too. They're expensive now. Ticket sale uh, prices are ridiculous for them, too. A hell, even to go see a comedian at, like, uh, an arena, like, you're paying 200 yeah, bucks that. for some of those tickets sometimes. Yeah, I know it's it's just getting expensive, man. To be a fan of shit, I'll just be old and watch from my general. couch stream that shit. <laughs> you know the bathrooms at all those events are fucking dog shit anyway. I hear you. Like, 
It's not worth it. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. not wrong. You're not wrong. Plus, they're packed, too. All right. So, uh, another interesting piece of news was, um, I guess, the UFC and uh, WWE. I thought they merged already, but I guess they remerged or something. And now they're TKO group. Uh, I don't really give a fuck. So, I don't have anything about it, but uh, you think anything about that? I, I, well, yeah, so this is what they did. So Endeavor bought the rights to the WWE from Vince McMahon, who used his own power and ownership to sell the company from under the uh, group that was in charge that was trying to literally kick him out of power. In a brilliant move, he found a way to literally sell the company while he was being ushered out and then ended up getting put ahead in charge of the company because he was in trouble for that scandal where he was paying women off for uh, yeah. um, the uh, being his mistresses. Yeah, so essentially he was like, all right, well, these guys want to kick me out of power. I'm going to pretend like I am. And then sure enough, he sells the rights to the company. And now he's pretty much put back in charge by Endeavor. Um, what they did was they basically created a separate company that they put both the UFC and the WWE into to basically sell, uh, to put it on the stock exchange. It's under TKO for that reason. Uh, Endeavor still has its own stock uh, that it has, and that like includes bull riding and all the other like properties that they have. They figured, well, these two are profitable on their own. We'll just let them make the money for us because we own them. Well, let, let's just do that. Plus, they're valued at $21 billion currently, both the UFC and uh, WWE. What ended up happening was is that I think Vince saw the writing on the wall, and he figured the only way that he was going to stay in power and the WWE to actually come out uh, more profitable than it is because I'm pretty sure I think at one point the UFC was like less valued than the WWE. I think it was like over at 10 or 14. Well, the UFC is worth more than the WWE right now. It was like 14 billion or something. And WWE was 9 billion. I thought that was kind of surprising. Yeah. that That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They basically caught them at the one time where they were the weakest and they wouldn't be that weak. Uh, at, in the foreseeable future, uh, unless you know, Vince McMahon, I think, was taking the the image. I think by that point, uh, so plus them going over to Saudi Arabia probably didn't help. Um, yeah. But anywho, neither here nor there. Um, they were they were looking for buyers, and sure enough, Endeavor took them because I didn't think they um, the uh, the the United States was willing to let them get sold to a Saudi group, I think was the case. And, um, which actually brings up me, me, me bring something up real quick. Um, the Saudi government, it recently purchased shares, a minority share whole, uh, of, um, of a hundred million dollars worth, I think of the PFL. Speaking of that, um, they're looking to 
basically get a foothold in the MMA game because the UFC is partnered currently with the UAE or Abu Dhabi, I, I, I should say, which is separate. Um, Saudi Arabia has a more kind of a stickier past, I should say. And I mean, they're not, you know, kind of like that whole thing with um, they, them killing a journalist and then also trying to buy uh, their own golf league and buy the uh, PGA Tour, also buy teams um, in, in uh, soccer. Um, I think they have a couple of other things that they're working on currently, but this is a separate sports program from the government that purchased those shares. And they're basically looking to create big, their pay-per-view events that they're looking to do, their super fights, is going to be hosted in Saudi Arabia per that uh, ESPN uh, clip uh, I think I read. I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, this is, um, I don't know what to make of it because they're, I think this is the same group that's looking to purchase Bellator. PFL is trying to. I don't know if they have the cachet for it, but their war chest, from what I have understanding, is currently three hundred million dollars. Mm. Uh, the PFL with this with this additional hundred million dollars. So the thing is, is that I think the current price tag on Bellator is five hundred million. Yeah. To be sold, so that means somebody it has to fork up the money at some point to purchase it. So. Which I would have honestly thought that it was closer to 250 million price tag. Like I didn't think it would Bellator would be that expensive, but I guess you're buying the fight library, and you're buying the uh, production teams as well as the roster of fighters. Which if fighters want to go to PFL, they're going to keep the contracts or pay well, pay the contracts get, uh, more or less. Josh Thompson and Big Before John the McCarthy, that's they worth will. five ten mil right there. I don't serious? really think they're doing a podcast together anymore. I don't know. I haven't paid attention to them since the... Uh, oh, like so you're year, saying fake news. I, I don't think they're doing a podcast anymore. All right. All right. I am. I am. <laughs> no. We'll cut that out. We'll cut that out. <laughs> All right. Well, I let's uh, get on to the uh, last piece of news I have. Uh, it looks like uh, Derek Brunson was released, according to UFC Roster Watch. Uh, he was, I guess the writing was kind of on the wall, but I think uh, Blonde Brunson was a good test to keep around, a good gatekeeper. Uh, you got any thoughts on his release? It fucking sucks, dude, because that should have been the guy who fought. Uh, that Chris is who Chris Weidman should have fought. But... It shouldn't have been Brad Tavares because Brad was well rounded. Well equipped, uh, but neither here. They should have given Paul Craig or someone like that. Brunson wasn't. No, 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 because Paul Craig's still durable. He's stupid as he's. He's not going to suffer. He's still durable. I don't think he'd have to. He'd just find a limb that's hanging on and injure it. Which is which sucks. I remember watching yeah. Chris Weidman fights and being like, "Fuck yeah," you know. But 
it sucks too because you remember that era when Brunson was on yeah. the streak and yeah. considered an actual contender mm-hmm. in the division. Like a few years like, ago. But I think Whitaker right. was the one that put a stop to that. Or I should say it was Durant. Yes, and Whitaker was on the streak himself. It was Whitaker, Brunson, Jacare, Yoel. Um, you had um, uh, Gegard Mousasi as well. And then you had Christoph Jocko, and then you had Tim Kennedy. And I think you had one or two other fighters that were also involved in that. And then Bisbing had just all of a sudden took, you know, became champion. And it came down to Brunson fighting Whitaker, Brunson fighting Jacare. And then, or Brunson, uh, I'm sorry, Yoel and Jacare fighting, uh, Jocko fighting somebody else and then losing, and then Gegard beating Chris Weidman and then leaving the division uh, for Bellator. And um, all those guys, all those contenders were pretty much reduced to two guys, and it was Yoel and fucking Robert Whitaker, which was a shame because goddamn, you know, Biz being wanted to hold up the division for his money fight and it was like all right cool gsp could have literally took back the middleweight title and it would have been fine and it's like or i'm sorry the welterweight title because you know he would have been able to you know at least have willie you know given a run for his money and it wouldn't have mattered it probably would have been an easier fight to handle for him because at that point it was either going to be if i'm not mistaken usman was next in line uh yeah was it, was it Usman? I, it, it just feels like I may I may be getting my history mixed up at that, but it just felt it felt like okay, we're holding up the division for this maybe fight because even even between that he fought Dan yeah. Anderson who wasn't well, even a contender. Yeah, and Dan Henderson fucked him up. <laughs> Andrew yeah. Danger Rouse will dispute that, but still. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been going for close to an hour and a half, so I should probably put in a pit in this thing. Um, I'd like to kind of close with, in honor of Noche UFC, uh, we were originally going to do three, but I want to know who's your one favorite fighter of Mexican heritage, Mexican-American, Mexican. One fighter. Well, it's funny. well I was going to say, you know what's funny is that I wanted to say um, – it was either going to be Yayo Rodriguez, Kelvin Gastelum, or Brandon Marino. Yeah. You know, Kevin Gastelum was born in the U.S., but still. Um, I want That's to see your favorite uh, Hispanic fighter, Alexa Grasso? Yeah, because she she surprised me, man. I, I'll be honest. <laughs> I think fighters have kind of left yeah. me down, so. <laughs> I like it. I like I'm it. cheering for her this weekend. I'm going to cheer for well, her this weekend. I um I love the fact that she showed up and she's actually champion and I think she can I think if she retains the title I think she's got good, good things in the future for her. I like it. Well, I don't play favorites, so I'm not gonna go. Uh huh. That was our <coughs> UFC Noche or Noche UFC preview show with uh, no special there. Why don't you say goodbye to all of our listeners? No special. This was fun. Yeah, this is. Uh, uh, we need to do this more often. Yeah. Well, ideally, this with was uh, Super Dave Paratax <laughs> uh, signing off. Y'all have a good night. Good. Talk to this.